let's see anybody winners in the chat let's see winners kumi also on the commanders thing sam Howell, kind of nice yes we nice. agree as we just discussed yeah, yeah. i guess well uh <laughs> sean's like i'm tired of hearing about sam how <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> kenny's gonna figure it out guys kenny's gonna figure it out right? oh, no, Sean. <laughs> don't, don't lead me down this dark path speaking of getting the party started Victory lap though. They ain't never seen nothing like this before. Lit the room when I came through the front door. Ask me if I should suffer come what for? Train in the trees, please pardon my sycamore. Touch burning scenes. It's time for another episode of the Gridiron Podcast. That's for you, Sean. I'm Nick Shuck. Thank you. That's Sean Barry down there. And ladies and gentlemen, Returning to the podcast stage, North America's favorite podcast ho- uh, host. I can't speak. Let's try that over again. North America's favorite podcast host, Katie Caldwell. Katie, welcome back. I am so happy to see you guys. I loved listening to the pod last week, but it didn't feel the same not being on it. I will be kind of in and out the next few pods. My situation is very fluid. But if you didn't hear last week my dog is in his final days battling cancer so he's doing okay this week we're hanging in there we're doing well so it is time to jump on the pod with you guys and i'm so grateful we're glad you're back and send our best to carl as well tell him he's a good boy give him belly rubs from me from me specifically (laughs) not from nick those are my belly rubs those are my kibbles and bits it is episode 15 of the gridiron podcast and uh folks we got a lot to talk about here uh another pretty entertaining week in the nfl i feel like early in football season every week is entertaining because it's just football like but we didn't have a ton of clunker games we had some pretty close games it's not like it was a wild separation saturday of college football type of stuff but it was still entertaining and we also had a crazy race in singapore that we'll have to recap because f1 you know we had a a couple weeks off there and suddenly they're just shifting gears and pedal to the floor seemingly all the way to the end of the season right now, just one race after another race, after another race. We got another one to talk about coming up as well. But of course, we are going to lead the show with the NFL. But before we do that, Katie, who are we shouting out right now? Oh, so I want to talk about um, Edmonton Sports Talk. So some of you might be listening to us for the first time through that. Um, So earlier this summer, TSN 1260 in Edmonton shut down. Um, Bell Media cut the station along with numerous others, and it was a huge loss for the city of Edmonton. But uh, some of the folks from the station started up what is now known as Edmonton Sports Talk. They've been around for just a couple weeks now, um, and it's been going really well. All the content is great. Uh, The flagship show is The Nielsen Show with Dustin Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric, uh, both of whom I know, and they're so lovely and wonderful, and I'm just cheering for everybody there so hard but they have brought on our podcast as one of the friends of est pods so yeah you can hear us streaming there saturdays at 3 p.m mountain time but yeah we're just really grateful that dustin reached out and asked if we wanted to be a part of it and what an honor spelled with a u because guys we're in we're talking canada right now we're spelling hello canada (laughs) it has always been my dream to be on a radio show in the northernmost metropolis in north america and now I that dream has come true. You. Thank what you. What a gift. It is. Sean yeah, is big shout off. out to everyone in Edmonton Sports Talk. I'm so excited for them, and I'm really grateful to be tagging along with them. Yeah, we are very excited to be a part of it. Hope that uh, y'all in Canada can get on board with the Gridiron Podcast as we slowly but surely continue to grow our audience. 
will be here for the long haul because let's face it, football and Formula One ain't going anywhere and neither are we. And speaking of football, week two is in the books. A lot of one and one teams, a handful of two and oh teams, a handful of own two teams. That's the way things go in the NFL when you get to the first couple of weeks. Sean, do we just do we just get it out of the way right now? Do I just I might as well just take the bludgeoning right now? Yeah, let's let let's go. Um, so if you're listening for the first time, Nick is based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh. How we became friends in college, I'll never know. But <laughs> yeah, Nick, that Monday night game that was um, I mean, boy, that was something, wasn't it? <laughs> it <laughs> that was. was. That was that was they did play a football game. Yeah, you can call or at it least football. attempted to in, yeah. in in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, I guess the cool thing is the Steelers extend their home Monday night winning streak to what twenty nine games now or something like that. Haven't lost since like nineteen ninety one at home on Monday night since before we were born. I just, I I don't Not even want to. <laughs> I was going to ask where, where were you guys Katie in nineteen ninety one, forgetting that I was the only one born in that era. I was no, merely just, a dirty twinkle thought. in the eye of Bob Barry, or perhaps. Uh, just being conceived who knows math says <laughs> math says i had already been conceived we are already much like that monday night game oh my goodness this podcast is already drunk um yeah <laughs> i mean it started i mean you were, you could tell this was going to be a crazy game first play of the night was a pick six thrown by deshaun watson to alex highsmith and from there on the out the, the, the you know the train just continued to slide off the tracks Okay. Um, can I just talk about that play? Because this set the tone for the entire night rounds, and for Kevin Stefanski as a, as a play caller, who I, as you guys know, I'm not a fan of him as a play caller. The guy comes out three tight ends, one receiver, one running back, and then splits him out five wide and throws a quick out to Harrison Bryant, who had all week to practice this first play of their script. Him and Deshaun Watson had all week, and yet somehow they forgot what they were supposed to do because the ball glances off of Harrison Bryant's hands because Deshaun Watson throws it to where he expects him to be, which is near the boundary. Harrison Bryant throttled down. He kind of sat down on his route, which made his catch radius a little bit tighter. The throw was errant as a result, glances off his hands. And none other than Alex Highsmith is back there to catch it, but not after, not not before somebody else actually intercepted it first, and then it was popped in the air and he caught it and took it back. Sean, I had shades of James Harrison returning that pick six in Super Bowl 43, playing through my head repeatedly. What a start for the Steelers. Really set the tone. A back-and-forth game, a sloppy game on both sides. Neither quarterback played well. Both defenses played well. One defense scored more than the other defense, and that was essentially the difference. In a game that I'm sure we're not going to forget, forget for a long time, it was thrilling because it was crazy. It was sloppy. It was exciting. It the environment was great. They played Renegade. I sent a poorly timed text. Oh no, that that was amazing. Yes, I have to tell you this. We used to do a segment on this podcast called like Tweet of the Week, where we would just make fun of each other for dumb tweets we'd sent during the week. I want to be, bring that back. Only it's now Text of the Week because Nick texts me. If you didn't know, the Steelers they play Renegade over the stadium's loudspeakers when they need the defense to come up with a big stop. So you can a lot of times hear it coming back from a commercial. Nick texts me as they're coming back from a commercial playing Renegade, terrible towels twirling in the Pittsburgh night, and he goes, hey, F Renegade. And not five minutes later, Alex Highsmith sacks Deshaun Watson, strips the ball, and TJ Watts picking it up and returning it for a uh, 
scoop and score. And that was that was the go ahead score. That's that that's all she wrote. So I just love how spectacularly that text backfired, Nick. The decisive text of the week right there in that game. Um, we did not talk about the most important headline from that game, though, which is yeah, early in the second quarter when the Browns are running the ball down the Steelers throat and controlling the game on the ground. Their best player on offense and one of the best running backs in the league, Nick Chubb has a gruesome knee injury, suffers a terrible knee injury, season-ending knee injury when Minka Fitzpatrick goes low on him and hits his knee when his leg's planted in the ground. It went in a direction that a knee is not supposed to go in. It, Nick Chubb's season is over. We'll see when he comes back. It's the same knee he injured when he was in college at, at Georgia. And um, it's a, I wouldn't say catastrophic, but a bad injury. Uh, and the Browns were forced to Go to Jerome Ford for the rest of the game. Ripped off a 69-yard touchdown run, which was nice, in fact. Um, but otherwise, uh, just a, a you know, a really a heartbreaker for for Browns fans, for football fans, because Nick Chubb is one of those guys that, you know, he he's not a diva. He never complains. He's he's the typical first in the door, last to leave, hardest worker on the team. You've seen the videos of him squatting 600 pounds, you know, uh, down in Georgia in the off season. You've seen, you know, how well he plays on Sundays. He's a guy that, um, you know, just scores and hands the ball off the ref like all the boomers love. And uh, and he's he's a good guy more than anything. And it's it's a real bummer to see him go down. Without a doubt, the NFL is worse off without a guy like him playing football. Bottom mm-hmm. line. I have no allegiance to the Browns whatsoever, and that just broke my heart. All injuries are hard to watch, especially gruesome ones like that. But Nick Chubb is just someone that he makes the NFL different. He's someone that is just so easy to cheer for. He's such a cornerstone in that team. Like the everything for the Browns is just vastly different now, especially with Deshaun Watson playing the way that he is. That was just a really heartbreaking one. And it was one that it just felt like the whole NFL community kind of took the same breath and just felt the same sick feeling in the pit of your stomach. I, I, I do have to say, you know, he is the only, as a Steelers fan, he is the only Brown that I actually like and will root for actively, not just because he's on my fantasy team, but because yeah, I enjoy watching him play football. I enjoy the way he runs. He was, Nick, you're right. He was, he was controlling the game. The Browns were not controlling the game. Nick Chubb was controlling the game. And, uh, you know, I hope he does return, you, you know, Nick, you texted me and said, you know, thanks for ending, you know, my favorite player's career. I hope it's not over. I really hope that's not the last we've seen. Of yeah. him. Um, I do have to say, too, this, you know, it, it provided or that moment provided one of the the weirdest kind of moments in sports broadcasting that I've ever watched live because they ESPN, ABC, they refuse to show the replay. But you hear Joe Buck start to say uh, we have been told that the uh, replay of Nick Chubb's injury and as soon as he says those words all of Heinz Field just gasps and lets out a groan all 67,000 people in attendance just go ooh and you could hear Joe Buck say yeah uh, we are not going to be showing that. So yeah, to the credit of Steelers fans, they did give him a a bit of an ovation when he left. Uh, they as they should, Chubb as they should, as he was being loaded onto the cart. So very classy out of you, Steelers fans, which is not a term I typically use to describe fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I was very impressed in that moment, without a doubt. All right, we move on from that uh, to some other games that happened during the week. That was obviously, I think, one of the biggest headlines from the week of football in the NFL. Uh, Sean, what were some big games that stood out to you? 
There were a lot of fun ones. Uh, I'll tell you that. I mean, Vikings and Eagles was more fun than I thought it would be on Thursday night. Falcon, you got the Falcons erasing a you know a two possession deficit over the Packers in the final you know eleven minutes and change of that game. The Bills looked dominant. They moved to one and one. Bengals start zero and two for the second time in a row. Um, you know, to me though, one of the one of the games I looked at was the game I covered, the game I was at on 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 Sunday here in Tampa was Bucks Bears. When's the last time Baker Mayfield looked like an MVP candidate? Whoa! Because he was I mean, for real. Easy, though, easy. That's what I'm. That's drinking what I'm that saying. Kool Aid. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm drinking the Red and Pewter Kool Aid down here. It's uh, it was it was that. fun. <laughs> it was it was fun to watch him. Um, it was fun to watch him play. It was fun to see the Bucks kind of have a dominant win. It was only a 10-point win, but the game seemed more out of hand than that. I don't know where the Bears go from here because Justin Fields was just flat-out bad against that Bucks defense, which at this point is, you could probably say is definitely a top 10, maybe a top 5 defense in the league. Um, but I, I definitely think it was a statement win because all offseason we've been talking about the NFC South like they're the little sisters of the poor. Three of the four teams are 2-0. I'm curious for, to, for now. It's, yeah, I st- I don't trust. I get what you're saying. I don't trust that these teams are actually as good as their records relative to other teams in the league. It's obviously been a weird couple weeks, but it is wild. It is because yeah, none of us really saw that coming. Especially when we do the division previews and we walk through the schedule and oh, that's gonna be 0 and 2 and 0 and 2. And then it's like, well, I had the I had the Bucks in our division previews. I had the Bucks at six and eleven. I mean, they better start losing some games quicker, or else I'm going to look uh, like an idiot. They're going four and eleven the rest of the way, baby. Uh, I think I, I have some concerns. I'm a little skeptical. I think the defense is the strength of this team. Um, when you watch them, you realize, oh, they still got some dogs on that side of the ball. They still got Jamel Dean, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka has been playing pretty well as a pass rusher. Shaq Bear is still there. Levante David, Devin White. Um, but you've also got some young kids that are, are making a difference, difference, you know, the rookie, uh, Isian, uh, Zion McCollum, another one, you know, guys that you don't expect to step up and play well, have played well. I also think that they've run into two teams that are not good litmus tests. Um, the Vikings, Correct. as we all kind of agreed are the team that takes a step back in the NFC North this year. And they eked out a win over them because the Vikings essentially handed them the ball repeatedly. I was going to say the, the Vikings probably win that game if they yeah. don't turn it over three and times. Win. And I think the bears are going to end up being in the bottom five teams of the NFL by the end of the season. And based on what happened in Chicago today, um, we'll see if they can even make it to the end of the season in one piece. Uh, it's it's not looking good there after two losses for the Bears. What I want to know, what I want to know, Nick, or actually I should ask Katie this, um, the Chargers, Ugh. you see what happened was, <laughs> Katie. What is going on? Honestly, yes, I mean, go on. You, Sorry. You, you should feel proud about your Seahawks. I mean, they, I don't want to say exposed the Lions, but brought them back down to earth a little bit. But the Chargers, I did not have them starting 0-2, especially with a loss to the Titans. Yeah, that was bad. I, If we're doing winners and losers, spoiler alert, I may be talking yeah. about them a little later. So I might yeah. hold off on my uh, Charger chat. <laughs> not uh, going to say which category, but they're in there. <laughs> I, I think we all have a pretty good idea of where they end up. Uh, Seahawks, the Seahawks and Lions, all they do is play shootouts, baby. They just put up points with the Lions. That's that's just what they these two teams do. You put 21 on the board in week one, you attack on 10 more in week two against the Seahawks. The Seahawks went to sleep in the second half of week one and their loss to the Rams, a surprise loss. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to play all four quarters. 
and some overtime this time around. Put 37 on the board. Geno Smith looking a lot like he did last year. You know, it's funny because two quarterbacks that we didn't expect anything from a year ago and Geno Smith and Jared Goff, two quarterbacks who had uh, significant votes of confidence um, placed in their favor this past offseason after having surprisingly good years last year. And yet, and both played really well in that game. The One of the deciding factors in that game was Jared Goff's interception. His first pick thrown in nearly 400 pass attempts, which I kind of jinxed him by writing about it on NFL.com during the week. I'm sorry, Jared. But both of them played really well. It was a it was a fun affair. Uh, I, I don't think it takes away anything from the Lions, who uh, you know are, are going to continue to be a fun team to watch. Makes them kind of put their foot in the mouth after you know saying, "Hey, we're the blue ski mask at the game." But overall, that was just a fun game. That yeah, was a fun if you want to be the villains, occasionally the bad guys do lose. Hey, John, John, sorry, I'm talking to America here. <laughs> what about Canada? <laughs> Katie, we're talking to Canada <laughs> right now. Have some faith, have some pride in your home country, Katie. That was one of my favorite mic'd up moments. That was so unintentional and beautiful. I'm such a fan of Geno Smith to begin with. I've kind of been on the Greg Rosenthal train, not as much as him, but earlier than most, just because I was a friend of the pod. Uh, but that game was really fun. I didn't catch the whole thing. Um, this week two analysis on my end will be a lot more vibes based just due to my weekend was a little chaotic and I didn't get to catch all the games like I would want. But that one was a really fun one. It, we expected a shootout. It was uh, Josh Reynolds. Having a year. I, having a year. And yeah. I've been on the Josh Reynolds train for a couple seasons now. He's married to uh, my very dear friend Haley. They got married this summer. Aww. Um, but he's showing out. Yeah, he is. He's, he's having quite the year. He's not I've a guy that really you look at on much. paper and think that's a guy, but he's becoming a guy to this well, point. Well, and people forget that him and Jared Goff have played together before. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, people overlook that when they look at teams on paper all the time, all the time. Um, one other yeah, thrilling that, game that before, before we go to winners and losers, one other, one other thrilling game was uh, down in uh, Atlanta between the Packers, who looked like world beaters after dominating the Bears in week one, and the Falcons, who are 2-0. and because, spoiler alert, they beat the Packers in thrilling fashion. I'm going to bring in a chat uh, participant right now, our good buddy Logan. He's got a hot take. He says the Packers and Falcons game was a playoff preview for the wild card round. That means Logan thinks that either the Falcons or the Packers are going to win their division and the other team's going to make it as a wild card team. Logan, it's early. I'm not going to say you're crazy, but that would be an outrageous development if that came to fruition, my friend. That would be a little bit what crazy. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't hate, I don't hate the pick. Um, I don't hate that, but at the same time, I don't know. I just have a tough time believing that one of those two teams will win their division. I have a tougher time believing the Packers are going to win their division, I guess. I'm looking the, at the, the Falcons, Falcons with that one. I don't yeah, really? think that's outrageous. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what Logan's saying too. He's saying the Falcons are going to win the division. Oh, okay. There we go. I see him now. Yeah. Falcons win the South, baby. I mean, it's doable. Yeah. I mean, Falcons, Robinson, here. baby. Yeah, New Orleans, all two and zero. I mean, you got big Bucko Bruce down here in the bottom of the screen. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch, where you can find us at twitch.tv slash the Nick Shook and the Gridiron Pod page on YouTube. Down there, he's wearing black, but in his heart right now is it's split between black and gold, and pewter and red, and a little bit of creamsicle. Just and a put little on bit out. of creamsicle, just one game. <laughs> Just an awful color scheme altogether. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Tampa, baby. 
All right, uh, let's transition here to a little bit of winners and losers from week two, guys. Um, Katie, why don't you start off with some losers? Let's get the bad out of the way. Some losers, okay. Vibes only, vibes only. Uh, Well, spoiler alert, my first loser is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers slash Brandon Staley. Um, It's yet another season of the Chargers being a verb. And I don't need to tell fans this, but you don't want your favorite NFL team to be a verb. The Chargers keep chargering. They have the talent, they keep losing, they have the quarterback, they have the pass rushers, they have the running backs, they have the receivers, I could go on, and they have expectations, they're simply not meeting them. And I want to like Staley. We've talked about it on the pod before. I think it was with Omar where the blatant mistake that he made last season where he played his starters in a meaningless game and then Mike Williams gets hurt, he misses the playoff game. Like He's made some big blatant mistakes, but I keep trying to give him... Grace, I think he's really smart. I think he deserves a lot of the criticism he's getting right now. I think it looks like he's playing not to lose. And Brandon Staley is a coach that is known for how aggressive he is. And it feels like he's gone so far away from that. And when I look at this team, I know we're only two games in, but it's so weird because they came off such a historic loss in the playoffs. And Staley keeps saying, no, it has nothing to do with the Jags game. And it might not. But when I look at it, it looks like there's not one distinct area where it's all going wrong. It just feels like it's all of it. And you see flashes of it. I think Justin Herbert is an incredible quarterback. When I watch them, I just don't trust them. And I think a lot of Chargers fans probably feel the same way. Ooh, that's a damning statement right there. I don't trust them. I don't trust the team that has has a uh, great quarterback. (laughs) I'm also mad. I'm both. Who do you not trust more on the Chargers, Katie? Is it Brandon Staley or is it some uh, some other players and members of that team? I think it's just the team as a whole, because which goes back to the original point of the Chargers are going to charger. Is it culture you, or? I don't. That's that's what when I watch it, I can't figure out exactly what it is. I just there are certain teams that you watch and in the fourth quarter, you feel like they're, they're never going to be out of this. Like the last few years, I felt that with watching the Bengals sometimes. There's different teams where you watch and you go, okay, like Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, like there, there are certain systems where you just go, okay, Josh Allen, they can turn it out and just bang, 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 get it done. When I watch the Chargers, it just always feels like uh, even when they're ahead, things can go south so poorly, so quickly and they're 0 and 2 and I just I didn't expect it. The AFC is really tough. Their division is really tough. I just don't feel good when I watch them as someone that cares about the Los Angeles Chargers. It just doesn't feel right. They and feel I don't like, know what the, I don't know what to do if I'm yeah. in that building. Like I don't know if Brandon Staley is the answer. I don't know if it's a cultural issue. I just don't like what I'm seeing. They feel like a good not great team and mm. Like they're going to lose a lot of games like they lost in week one and really in week two as well. Like you're right there. You're right there. Just don't call three straight passes to start overtime and maybe you win that game. Like simple, <laughs> yeah. simple. get one stop against the Dolphins in the fourth quarter. Don't get flagged for intentional grounding when you're trying to mount a comeback drive in the final minute of the game against the Dolphins. Like just little things at the end of the game where they just get a little off kilter and all that works through the four quarters goes to waste and you end up zero and two but i agree that is a good loser sean can you pick me a loser here for yourself give uh, me a loser i'm going to come right back down here to tampa because i don't know the bears are pretty bad losers right now they get smashed in week one they lose in week two they make baker mayfield look good somehow 
Woof. And out, outside of their first drive of the game, which ended in a touchdown, you saw absolutely no offensive creativity. You saw absolutely nothing from either the Bears offense or from Justin Fields. And I feel like Chicago and Bears fans as a whole. By the way, I hope friend of the pod, Austin Coley, is listening to this right now. Maybe he can chime in and help us out. But they're starting to run out of excuses for Justin Fields. This was supposed to be the year where he was supposed to put it together. This was the year where he had weapons. He has Chase Claypool, for better or for worse. He has DJ Moore. He has uh, Colt Kmet. He has these weapons to throw to and nada. Nothing. Now, again, the Bucks' defense is, is pretty stout. But at the same time, I, he, he couldn't read a defense to save his life. He couldn't win, will his team back into that game. He was holding on to the ball way too long. I did see a stat that since he has entered the league, he has held the ball four seconds more than any, more cor- any quarterback in the league. And he's also taken more sacks after holding the ball four seconds or longer more than any other quarterback in the league. He's got to get rid of it. He's got to figure it out. But also, man, he's Justin Fields. Like, he can move, and he just wasn't. There were opportunities for him to escape the pocket. There were opportunities for him to extend plays with his feet or to move the sticks with his feet, and he just wasn't. I don't know if it was because it was 102 degrees on the field at kickoff, but either way, I saw nothing from Justin Fields. And for that, Bears are losers for week two. Um, can I defend him for a second? Because that offensive line is terrible. Like when I went and ran that replay back, uh, I think it was yesterday. I was blown away by the fact that he had no time to throw for most of that oh, game had no time. Not, to not, not to mention, by the way, not to mention, not to mention that today he kind of insinuated that his poor performance was maybe on coaching decisions so much so that he had to then call for a second press conference, which if you're not in the media, you don't understand how rare that is when a team immediately hosts a second press conference later on in the day just for someone to walk back the statements that they had made earlier in the day. That's wild. So A locker room scrum, nonetheless. Yeah, the Bears are not having a a good week right now. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't put all the blame on him. I think that he spoke candidly today. And I think that he learned a hard lesson in being too honest to the public. Matt Eberflus, to his credit, did not, you know, bristle at those comments. He kind of, you know, was on the same page with him and said, yeah, maybe we need to simplify some things. So he's not there thinking and he's playing with his instincts. He's playing freely. But at 0-2, when you have so little time to throw so often and nothing is working for your offense and you do rip some nice passes down the field, but you also make some dumb decisions like when you threw the pick six to Quay Walker in week one or when you got picked off on the sideline last week. Uh, against the Buccaneers, um, it, it's understandable. They tried to run the same play three straight times against the Bucks, and the third time they tried to run the same play, Shaq Barrett had a pick six, which is coaching, right? So, like, it's everything's right. going poorly for them right now. It's not just Justin Fields; he's the quarterback who takes the most heat, but it's not just him. I, I will say that. Um, I'm going to go with my loser here, real quick. The Denver Broncos, two weeks, two close close losses, and. The second one being the most painful, you took a 21 to three lead over the commanders. Russell Wilson was back, baby. He's throwing moonshots to Marvin Mims. Everything's looking great. This is the rust that they were supposed to get in Denver last year. And then it evaporated. It's almost like, and I said this in the around the NFL podcast, it's almost like he got a taste of that fine wine of the superstar plays. And he's like, I want to get hammered off this. 
give me more of that. And then he realized there's he was, no more dangerous hangover than a wine hangover. Yeah, that's for sure. And he's probably dealing with one. I know one all week. We all know that too. Well, <laughs> and what he came to find out was there wasn't even alcohol. in it. in the second half, he was chugging sparkling grapes. All right. Sparkling grape juice. That's what he had in his glass. They fell apart and allowed the commanders back into the game. Sam Howell, by the way, sorry for doubting you. You've played great football through two weeks, but my God, Broncos, you had this one in your hands. And then to make matters worse, you throw a Hail Mary at the end of the game and it's tipped and caught in the end zone and you fail to get the two-point conversion to send it to overtime. Just a real gut punch for Broncos fans in week two. And they're going into week three in a similar place that they were in last year, 0-2. Not good. Mm. Not good at all. Let's transition to some winners. Katie, I need a winner. Oh, I thought we were going to do multiple losers. Can I sneak in one quick one? Because I think it's funny. Sure, why not? Go for it. So I think for losers... Every single NFL fan watching Sunday Night Football when the ref ruled that play inches short. And if you watch that game, you know the exact play I'm talking about. Mike Gesicki caught a pass from Matt Jones, flips the ball over to number 69, Cole Strange. A very nice. aesthetically pleasing play. The refs initially ruled it a first down and then it was overturned. The play was chaotic. It was gorgeous. The score was 24-17. <laughs> So they could have gone on to tie it. And I think the entire football universe, outside of Dolphins fans, wanted that call to stand. I will I will say, it was not a first down. But at the same time, this is when you need that Buffalo Wild Wings button to be pressed going, <laughs> guys, that was too beautiful to not, that was too beautiful to not count. Just, just give them the extra inch. No one's going to care. Just I mean, let us live. Yeah, Why can't you just let us calls live? All the time. They missed a DPI call at the end of that Broncos Commanders game. Also at the end of the Steelers Browns game. Just there you hey, go. Thank you. Let, let let nature take its course. All right. Cole Strange got a first down. It, 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 sort of objectivity. In my heart, okay. he did. I just feel like we are all losers with that having happened the way that it did. And I hate that for us. We have some loser contributions. I hate that for us as well. From the chat, uh, let's see here. We got our buddy Chris, seeing for the day, says, loser, Giants, worse than the division, missing a star player. Chris, I'm going to push back on this because did you see the comeback they pulled off against the Cardinals? My God, they woke up from (laughs) their offseason slumber. Did he turn it off at halftime? I was going to say, you can't be a loser if you won the game. Biggest comeback since like the 40s. I mean, my God. In the Super Bowl era. Guys, Daniel Jones put up like 250 yards in the second half. He finished with over. (laughs) (laughs) He had like 48 at halftime or something crazy. I'm watching. I'm checking the stats last night going. I'm I'm sitting there watching and going, how the hell do they lose this game? And then I see them score the first touchdown. I'm like, okay. And then the second touchdown. And I'm watching the Cardinals offense just go into a shell. And I'm like, oh, my God. They're going to let him back into it. The, the 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 loss of that is the loss of Saquon Barkley, which stinks, especially on a short week against Niners team mm-hmm. that you can certainly use him for. But, um, I mean, they they are lucky to be one and one, and they have only themselves to credit because they decided to play football again after not playing football for six quarters. Didn't score their first touchdown of the 2023 season until their seventh quarter of action, and they came away with the same record as the Browns and the Steelers. How about that for you? More losers from the chat here. I'm scrolling here. I'm scrolling. Kumi, our buddy Kumi checking in, says, loser, Colts losing Anthony Richardson development momentum. I have to agree. Richardson, two rushing touchdowns within the first six minutes of the game on Sunday against the Texans. Suffers a concussion out for the rest of the game. They go on to win with Gardner Minshew. But Richardson has been looking pretty solid in this offense. Um, Shane Steichen is doing a great job. Former Chargers coach, by the way, Katie, as you know, Shane Steichen, uh, doing a great job putting together an offense that fits around Anthony Richardson's strengths. He's not asking him to do too much with his arm. He's letting him use his legs. 
two touchdowns on two designed quarterback runs, one being a QB draw, the other one being like a nice little bit of trickery with a, a, some orbit motion uh, and a fake handoff, and then he just takes it himself. Kid's an athlete. He's playing really well. He's not playing like um, you know your best passer in the league, not like a Patrick Mahomes, but he's using his strengths to his, his advantage right now, and they are you know, finding success as a result. They could very easily be 2-0 and right now. So those are our losers, and of course, Big B chiming in with the obvious point. Losers, Ch- Nick Chubb's leg. Yeah. We're all losers on that one. We are all we losers. We are all losers because we don't get to that. watch Nick Chubb. All right, winners. Katie. Uh, I never imagined I'd be using <laughs> this team under winners, but I'm an honest woman. I'm going to say the Washington Commanders. Oh, baby. Hey. We're all on the same page yeah, there. Notably, Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell. You brought it up, Nick, and I heard you talking about him on the Around the NFL podcast. He's not perfect. He can hold on to the ball too long, doesn't necessarily thrive under pressure. He looks good. He looks way better than I ever imagined. He looks like he has a good feel for the offense and he's somewhat in control of it. And I like their receivers and I like their running back situation. And I just feel like the vibes are a little higher in Washington now that Dan Snyder is gone. They're selling out their games. Like it just feels like things are a bit different there. And Nick, I was with you where I was not super excited about Sam Howell. That wasn't anything I was really looking forward to this season. And he's someone that I'm excited to watch. Yeah. Um, this was my winner too, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'll adjust on the fly. Um, Sam Howell, you know, I went into the season thinking, how can you put your stock into a guy who played one game last year? And Ron Rivera said, Hey, I think it was with Albert Breer. He had an interview with him where he said, you know, I realized it in that week 18 game that went over the Cowboys last year. Like, Oh, this is our guy. This is the guy. I wish I would have figured this out sooner. Maybe we would have had a shot to make the playoffs. Well, now I'm seeing it, Ron. I'm on board, baby. The kid is confident. He's cool. He's collected. He's got a good arm. He's not afraid to stand in there and take a hit. He's not afraid to take off and run and pick up extra yards. He's doing it all. He's playing like he did in college at North Carolina. In fact, he's playing better than he did in his final year at North Carolina. And because of the weapons they have around him, they're putting together, you know, I mean, they, they threw, you know, 35 points on the board and that went over the Broncos. And I believe... Let's see. They were down 21 to three and then outscored the Broncos 32 to 12 to finish that game. And really, it would have been 32 to six if not for that Hail Mary at the end of the game. That's quite a performance. And a lot of that is credited to Sam Howell and their defense, by the way. Their defense has absolutely suffocated opponents in second half for two weeks. They, they put good. that game away against Arizona and they shut down Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Super impressed by their highly touted defensive front it's definitely producing for them all right sean winner give me a winner i'm going with everyone's favorite fantasy darling this year puka nakua yes <laughs> what did he just break the record for like most receptions to start a career for your first two games uh the dude's on fire uh, he's just fun to watch the rams are kind of fun to watch again too and especially when cooper cup went to the ir you're like oh what, did, what are they gonna do they're getting rid of cam Akers. Matt Stafford might not have it anymore. Hey, this is a fun team to watch. They only lost by one possession to the Niners, who at this point look like one of the, if not the best team in the league, maybe Cowboys withstanding. But like, hey, Puka Nakua, you know, rookie, having himself a nice little start to his career. So I, I, I'll i call him a winner this week. That's a good It's uh, also fun to say his name. Puka Nakua. Totally <laughs> if you want to know the state of the Rams offense without Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua was targeted 20 times in that game against the 40 <laughs> And he's not just a Cooper Cup replacement. They're using him in a variety of different roles, and he's really stepping up. The kid from Brigham Young, balling right now and helping that offense stay afloat. Matthew Stafford, by the way, looks good. 
again. Like, yeah. He looks healthy. Yes, he, he looks like he used to look. So maybe they won't be as bad as we thought they would be. Um, the Kumi Rams a- look way better than I thought. I will eat yeah. crow on that one because man, so many of us totally wrote off the Rams this season. Mm-hmm. And not only have they been serviceable, they've been a fun watch. Like they've yeah. been kind of proper good and it's really confusing. <laughs> it makes you come to realize that like on paper and, and you know, taken from one year to the next is not nearly as rock solid as you think it is, especially for a team that did like nothing in the offseason. Credit to Sean McVay for coaching up a group that now has no expectations. He can kind of mold them in his image and he's getting the most out of these guys. Hell, they traded Cam Akers away today. Addition by subtraction, in my opinion. That was a guy who didn't want to be a part of the team after realizing he was going to lose some snaps to Kyron Williams. And they said, get out of here, Cam. That trade request you made last year, we're fulfilling it now. We'll see you never. Have fun in Minnesota, sir. All we wanted for you was a late round pick swap. We just wanted to get you off the team. So they're moving forward, man. They don't care what anybody thinks. Not saying they're going to win the division, but they will be a fun watch on a week-by-week basis. Um, Kumi had an interesting point on the commanders that I'd like to bring up here. He said, on the commanders topic, is Chase Young a bust? No. No, he's not. Uh, He played his first game healthy on Sunday. Uh, He had a key sack in that game, taking down Russell Wilson when he was trying to evade uh, and rush out to the right late in the game. Um, I think that a big phrase on the Around the NFL podcast. Young and sweaty. Young and sweaty. Young and sweaty's (laughs) back, baby. Uh, Back, baby. We are so back. I don't think he's going to make the money that we thought he would once make, but I, I think that if he stays healthy, he can put together a pretty solid season. That group's so good up there that he's not going to see a ton of extra attention, so he's going to get opportunities. Bust is a bit of an extreme to describe him. Obviously, he was picked very high, but I think he's going to have a solid season, so we'll say no on that. Uh, let's see. Anybody winners in the chat? Let's see. Winners. Kumi also on the Commanders thing. Sam Howell, kind of nice. Yes, we nice. agree, as we just discussed. Yeah, Howell, yeah. I guess we'll... Uh, <laughs> Sean's like, I'm tired of hearing about Sam Howell. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Kenny's going to figure it out, guys. Kenny's going to figure it out. Right? Oh, no, Sean. <laughs> don't, don't lead me down this dark path. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Rough. Yeah, We're here for you regardless of what uh, happens with Kenny Pickett. Okay. Two good defenses, Sean. They're going to play a bad yeah. defense. In fact, who do they play this week? Let's look, let's go down the schedule real quick. They play the Raiders. Raiders. It's time. Raiders, Texans. Yeah. That's two games he's going to get on track right before they play Baltimore at home. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. I expect more out of Kenny sure. Pickett. For sure. For sure. See, there you go. We're boosting you right now. It's fine. Uh, Everything's right. fine. My winner from this week is probably going to be the atlanta falcons because let's face it arthur smith doesn't give a damn what you think he's going to coach his team how he wants to he's going to run the ball 12 straight times and score a touchdown on you if he wants to like he did against the browns last year and he's going to ride with desmond ritter and after one week it looked like a bad decision even though they won that game not so much after week two i have been on the fence about as on the fence as you could be with desmond ritter because i think at times he looks overwhelmed but he's athletic and he's got a pretty solid arm and he showed it off in that comeback performance against the Packers. That is going to be a game that could serve as a turning point for these Falcons. Yeah, they're two and zero, but does that propel them to win the division? As Logan said, before he checked out for the night, uh, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but with the combination of Bijan Robinson back there, who is electric, they're really finding Drake London in the passing game a lot. Kyle Pitts even getting a little involved and that defense is playing with more attitude than I think we have seen from them in the last five years, really since the Dan Quinn era when he was the DC on that team, um, they're fun to watch. Their, their ceiling is not like extremely high, but anytime you can watch Bijan run through between the tackles and make guys miss, which he does pretty routinely, catches passes out of the backfield, does whatever you want, it's a, it's a good watch. And it's fun because it's a team that's very unorthodox. Like I said, Arthur Smith doesn't care what you think. 
And or about your fantasy team. He does he not. Does he doesn't not care about his mustache either, by the way. Which <laughs> strong mustache, Arthur. Keep that thing riding. They're my winner, 2-0. A surprise 2-0 for sure. Do we have anything else from winners and losers that we would like to toss in here before we move on? I'm good. I'm I would good. just say very quick, Chiefs defense. They were a big winner for me. Man, Trevor Lawrence. If it was horseshoes or hand grenades, he'd be an all-star. Or Sunday. if the end zone was just longer, just much longer. <laughs> I think Zay Jones would have had like forty-five touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was tough to see them lose a the game that I think was very winnable. Yeah, Chiefs Three defense looking goals. pretty good. Did you uh, guys not think that game was going to be a shootout? I did. No, they were um, often, but like the, those expectations. I mean, how often does that happen? Well, it happens in Lions Seahawks. We have two examples. I was just about to say. <laughs> You know, what is it? One's a fluke, uh, two is a coincidence, three is a trend, something like that. We're almost to the trend part with Lions Seahawks. But yeah, I, I Spags get, getting it done, baby. Yeah, aggressive, getting after Trevor Lawrence and uh, mm-hmm. making him miss the throws just barely, just barely. All right, that does it for winners and losers from week two. And that does it for our NFL talk. Uh, we could look ahead to week three, but I think you can find a million places to get your game previews, including the NFL page on YouTube, where you'll find my picks every week. Come at me in the mentions. I know you will when I get them wrong. But right now I'm in third place among all of our analysts. So I'm doing all right. All right. Also, Nick doing the quarterback index. Oh, I think shameless. we talked yeah. about this on the podcast before. Yeah. I was so excited when I read that. Thank you, Katie. I appreciate it. You can find that at NFL.com slash QB index every Thursday. I filed it today. It'll be up tomorrow. A lot of movers this week. Sean's not going to like it. Browns fans aren't going to like it either. Commanders fans, you'll enjoy it. Dolphins fans too. You know, I think I finally, thanks to Tua's successful first two weeks, different fashion, I've finally gotten Dolphins fans off my back. And maybe Titans fans will follow them and climb off my back as well as Steve Young once pulled the proverbial monkey off his back when he won a Super Bowl. We're getting close thanks to their performances. So check that out, NFL.com, QB Index. Thank you, Katie, for the plug. And Katie, can we remind our folks in the middle of the show before we transition what they can do to support the show? Oh, if you would like to support the show, please open your cell phone right now. Leave a review. Leave five stars. You might just be lucky enough that we can read it on the pod. Give you a little shout out. But yeah, it really, really, really does help us. We're eternally grateful for all of our lovely listeners. I also got a few really nice messages from listeners over this last week. So thank you. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. We We do it all for you. Yeah, just for you, because we obviously don't make any money off of this. Uh, (laughs) We have been promising to read your reviews, but we need your reviews to be able to read your reviews. So supply those, (laughs) please. (laughs) We have people that have just been leaving like the five-star, the four-star reviews, which, I mean, come on, five-star folks, come on. Come on, come on. Yeah. If, if you're already at four, just, just talk to us. That extra one. Yeah, yeah. the good extra one. <laughs> just pull us aside. But, you know, talk you could to us. Write a review too, and then we'd read it out <laughs> on here. Um, all right, Nick, let's let's go to um, I can't say America's favorite game show anymore. North America's favorite game show. And maybe even England. I know we have some listeners in Australia, New Zealand, America, the world, the world's favorite game show. Big B, what is it? Do you even know? Oh, do you even know today? Katie Caldwell returns to the podcast and really finds herself in the crosshairs of her two fellow co-hosts. Sean, what is our topic for Do You Even Know Today? Well, the topic for Do You Even Know, which of course Katie has no idea what it is until I say it right now, is sports in real life. 
And for those that are new listeners to the show, first of all, welcome. Second of all, I am historically and like hilariously bad at at sports trivia. Sean, it's only okay when I say it. I'm really bad at this. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, almost every time after I'm quizzed on Do You Even Know, I try to just quit the podcast because I'm really bad at it. So every time it's me in the rundown, I just go, for the love of God, go easy with me. I'm a smart woman. I'm a capable woman. I'm just really bad at trivia. All right. We're going to try and take it easy on you uh, today, um, (laughs) but we can only go so far. Uh, So sports in real life, these are just, you know, questions about when when sports and real life kind of blend together, you know, just everyday problems that we all face or everyday, you know, celebrations that we encounter, which is the topic of our first question, Katie. Uh, Do you even know which current MLB manager is credited with inventing the high five. No. Really? <laughs> no. Can I take a guess? No. no. <laughs> Just guess. Guess any of the 32 managers in Major League Baseball. I, I, I don't know this answer, Sean. I'm also not a big baseball guy. Can I say a former one? Can I say John Gibbons? He was always my favorite. He was a big high-five guy. It was not John Gibbons. <laughs> High-five's really old, Katie. <laughs> I ta- by the way, I, I gave my nephew an instruction on how, like, because I'm always like, high-five, he's three, and he'll give you a high-five, but then I was trying to get him to learn how to count, and I was like, hey, uh, how many, whatever it was, is in the room, and I was like, can you count your fingers? One, two, and he's like, two, three, and I was like, what's next? And he's like, 24, and I was like, <laughs> I feel like the high five has existed for like thousands of years. There's no way that this person that invented it is on this planet right now. He is. And in fact, he manages the reigning World Series champs, the Houston Astros. It's Dusty Baker. Credit for inventing the high five? I'm calling bullshit. He is credited for inventing the high five. Yes. I quit the podcast. <laughs> Who invented the high five? Yeah, are you asking Jeeves while we're live? Oh wow, it really is. Oh, that, I guess that explains why when you see a bunch of sports highlights from the '80s, everyone's celebrating by just high fiving each other. There's no way we got to this point in history without people slapping hands and in, in celebration, and congratulations. It did not. We've always slapped hands. You had to wait to the '70s. They were yep. in the free love movement before they decided to high five. No, I still don't believe it. I don't either. Wikipedia says that there are many origin stories of the high five, but the two most documented candidates are Dusty Baker and Glenn Burke of the LA Dodgers professional baseball team and two other members of the Louisville Cardinals men's college basketball season or basketball team a year later. Uh, My guess would have been that it would go all the way back to the Roman Empire. Oh, which, nice. which we think about a lot. How often do you guys think about the Roman? <laughs> he says no shot. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought know. that was common knowledge. Sorry. No, but it might be for most people. But as we talk about off the top of the segment, you know, sometimes I'm a bit of an idiot. <laughs> I have a thing about the Roman Empire, real quick. That should be how often do you think about World War II? That would really tap in, I think, more than the Roman Empire. Who's sitting there thinking about like, like Julius Caesar? You know, who, who's doing that? Oh, I tell you what, 
the reason that the Roman Empire fell is because it got too big for its britches. Like, nobody's sitting there thinking that. They're thinking about how, you know, Germany lost World War II because they tried to fight a war on two fronts. Right, Sean? Who's who's thinking about historical events? I think about, <laughs> I think about World War II a lot. I know, but that's why this whole trend is so wild to me, because I don't think about war very much. Unless See, it's I'm current. A, I'm a, I'm a history nerd, so like I, I I will be walking on the treadmill and I'll watch like videos on like building an empire, ancient Greece, building an empire. Oh, so the he Roman, does. The, the he fall does. Of the so you do. Oh, I think about the Roman Empire constantly, at least a couple of times a week. <laughs> that is so funny to me. I I'm surprised <laughs> that like I'm not the only one. And then once I realize, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, it was such a momentous like moment in history. Well, like 1,500 years of history, if we're counting the Byzantine Empire, of course, or the Eastern Roman Empire, D- of whatever course, you want to call it. Duh. Either way, it also baffled me that it took people so long to figure it out that this many people think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> anyway, so many questions. Sean, and go for I digest. I digest. Okay, I'll go for, go for question two. We can just skip on by. I'm sure we won't get it. All right, all right, Katie. This one I need you to think hard about because I think you can get this one. Do you even now? Don't you put that which, on me? Don't you put that on me? <laughs> Do you even now? Which athlete is credited with becoming the first sportsman? Billionaire. Oh, who's a billionaire? I know Toto Wolf's a billionaire, but I know he he's a billionaire, not first. but he wasn't the first. I know. You are, however, I will give you a hint, you're on the right track. Right track. You're on the right track. Is it F1? I cannot answer that. Oh, well. <laughs> that, should be, that should be a clue, Katie. Um, they're on the right track. I don't think I know any F1 billionaires, other than, like, owners. Are you sure? <laughs> Lewis isn't a billionaire. He's not, no. This is really exciting stuff for the listeners. I will, I say, just I will say they are not act- an active athlete at the moment. Okay. Yeah, e- yeah I don't know. I don't know. Take, take a wild guess. Take a wild guess <laughs> at what, what, what athletes... <laughs> In F1's history, might be a billionaire. In F1's history, um, Sebastian Vettel. I swear to God, it's like herding cats right now. <laughs> it's Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher is a billionaire? Apparently, according to a Google search, he did it before, just before MJ really? and Tiger Woods, yes. There's some huh. debate on there's some debate on who okay. got it first between Tiger Woods, MJ, and Michael Schumacher, but I'm going with Michael Schumacher because this is an F1 podcast. And I think okay. LeBron's on that list huh. now too. The more you know, LeBron, LeBron. is also now yes. For LeBron, Jack Nicholas is in there, and so is Arnold Palmer. Steph um, Curry's got to be close. No, no, not, not close to those matters. six that I just mentioned. Mm. But yes, but yes, Kumi Michael chimes Schumacher. In, in your defense, Katie Kumi is chiming in saying this is cyberbullying. <laughs> Thank you, Kumi. <laughs> I never would have got Michael Schumacher ever. I literally was like, "Yeah, you're on the right track with Toto." Well, like, just think, like, you could have shouted any one of the like former world champions. This is why I don't like this segment. Okay, (laughs) Nick, go for the last one. All right, Katie. um... I'm gonna go take a Advil. Don't cyber bully me. This one should be a little bit easier. Which um, baseball team? We say that every time. 
Yeah, Sean's true. getting so frustrated. I've been me. I've been unnecessarily hard on Sean with my questions lately. By the way, now, I'm we not really going to be have, as hard actually. with you because I wasn't prepared for this. So I just came up with this on the fly. Katie, do you even know which baseball team is? I believe the only one to enforce a strict dress code when it comes to their appearance on the field. On the field. That's kind of mm. too much words. It's in, that's like when the multiple choice includes a detail Think that doesn't matter. Pink facial hair. Pink facial hair. Texas Rangers. No. Would you like to guess again? No. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. No, Is you have Pittsburgh? one more. One more guess. You got one more guess. <laughs> Cleveland. No. The answer is the New York <laughs> Yankees because. George oh, Steinbrenner yeah, right. required the facial them to shave their facial hair and have. I went to Catholic school, so I also mm-hmm. dealt with this as a child. I'd wear a tie to school every day from first through eighth grade, and your hair could not touch your collar. Uh, also existed in high school, and girls' skirts could not be more than I think a like an inch above their knee. Um, it was the New York Yankees. Their hair could not touch their collar. They had to shave their faces. They still enforce they can some do, of they, they can have mustaches. Yeah. Famously. No beards, mustaches. So Arthur Smith would fit hey. really well with the I Yankees. I didn't know that one. Mm. Old boys club in a huge way. All right. Well, Katie goes 0 for 3 <laughs> once again in another round. Make it 0 for 16 at this point. If not, I think I got half a point one time. You did. No, you're not. You're definitely more than half a point. I think you've gotten one. Right, maybe we just not try so hard with our trivia. I've told you guys again and again that I don't know baseball at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I shot the dark. <laughs> this has certainly been another rousing edition of... Do you even know? And in the case of Katie Caldwell, she, just she not. does not. Fire me into the sun. <laughs> all right, let's, let's, uh, let's switch gears. Shifting gears, even though Sean's car can't currently shift gears that well, to no. Formula One, where race week is back, was back, and that's the wrong banner. We're going to recap Singapore, which was a really fun race, guys. Sean, would you like to give us a synopsis? Uh, it was a really fun race, kind of a bit of a sleeper for the first, say, 40 laps or so. But hey, lap, uh, 50, laps 52 through 62, that is what... Formula One is supposed to be, and just kind of goes to show, man, what a great season we would have had if the team Red Bull Racing just didn't exist or just, you know, stopped trying. Could have said that about Mercedes from 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, but Mercedes was never in danger of sweeping an entire season the way Red Bull was. That's true. Finally, a team wins a race other than than Red Bull. And it's Ferrari and it's Carlos Sainz. Congrats to him. He's been driving, you know, really amazingly since the summer break. Um, got a podium last week. Uh, got uh, got a podium in Monza last week. So that was good for the uh, so the Scuderia. What, what do they call themselves? The Tifosi. There we go. That's Tifosi. what I was trying to say. And then gets his second uh, Formula One win this week uh, with a helping hand from his buddy and former teammate from McLaren, Lando Norris. Because... What they did there at the end of the race was so cool. So if you didn't watch, uh, the Mercedes were chasing down both Lando, who was in second place, and Carlos, who was in first place leading the race. They finally caught up to him with about five or six laps to go. And then Lando and Carlos just played this great little game of chicken where Carlos was going slow enough to allow Lando to draft up to him 
get DRS, open up his rear wing, so then Lando could have enough speed to defend against the Mercedes, in turn allowing Carlos to defend against Lando, in turn allowing Carlos to go ahead and win the race. It was cool teammates. It was cool teamwork for two guys that aren't teammates anymore. It was really cool to see them on the podium together. They were, you know, hugging uh, in uh, Park Ferme after the race, and they just they they could tell they're like, okay, we're 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 working for the same common goal right now, and uh, that was a lot of fun to see. And that's getting in Mercedes' way. That's what they did. Collusion. Well, technically a wall got into Mercedes' way, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Not the other Mercedes, but yeah, I guess that that plays. Yeah, that plays. The whole weekend uh, was just so fun. Like, qualifying for Max and Checo to be starting so far back, you'd think that something would have blown up or something goes seriously wrong, and the car just didn't have the pace. They were just not on the whole weekend, and it yeah. made Sunday so much more exciting it looked because like they were both out of the on- top ten. It looked like that car was on ice skates the entire time. It was sliding all over yeah, the track. Was, I've it, never it, seen it was, that before. Yeah, it, it was like really bad understeer all weekend. And um, I think Max got on the radio during qualifying and was like, this is unbelievable, guys. Like, this car is not – he didn't say this straight up, but it was basically he was insinuating, like, this car sucks here. What's going on? I'm used to having the best this car This is an absolutely – an absolutely shocking experience. <laughs> is this what the other drivers have to deal with? <laughs> you mean people are starving out there? What? I have all this food. Um, yeah, I, I it, it was a race that I think we needed. You know, we spent, Sean and I spent last week talking about, all right, are we starting to count down to the Red Bull sweep? Feels pretty inevitable. And Sean was like, hey, you know, Red Bull, if it's not Max, they also have the king of the streets in uh, Checo Perez, and he was kind of a non-factor in this race, partially because of the qualifying result. It was different. because he was launching his car into other cars? Yeah, he was a factor, just not in a good way. He was a factor in taking everyone out. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, some some people just want to watch the world burn, Katie. You know, (laughs) two weeks in a row, we're quoting the Dark Knight. Um... I did think yeah. it was just a nice palate cleanser before Max beats everyone by 45 yeah. seconds in Japan. I was going to say, yeah, now we can go back to that, and we will probably <laughs> go back to that. How do our predictions look, though, Nick? How did, your, how did yours look? Oh, let's look back here at last week in the dock where it is gone. Oh, just kidding. Um, I had – actually, I got two of the three podium place, placements correct. You did. I had Max P1, Lando P2, which stuck, and Carlos Sainz P3. Look, guys, Carlos Sainz is the best driver on the track right now, not named Max Verstappen. He's been driving his ass off for two months now, and I was really happy to see him win that race because I think he deserved it. My bold prediction came true, Sean. I freaking nailed it. That's two bold predictions nailed this season. Call me Mr. Bold. I'm also a co-host of the Bold Ball Breakdown, the Big Play Sports Network. You can find that on Tuesdays at noon Eastern every Tuesday on YouTube. Shameless plug as well. What was so, remind, remind remind the listeners, Nick? What was your bold prediction? My bold prediction was that AlphaTauri and Yuki Sonoda specifically would fail to finish the race again. Yuki Sonoda didn't even get past lap one <laughs> again. Thanks, that thanks, Checo. How oh, that poor that poor poor little man. Uh, why why you got to bring his height into this? Oh, we're we're a fan of short kings I'm, here. I'm, I'm showing him sympathy. Uh, <laughs> I I will say I will say my predictions didn't land. They never do. They didn't land quite well. I mean, we both said Max was going to win because that's just easy points right there. He did not. He finished P5. Uh, I had uh, Checo Perez in second place. He just yeeted his car into anyone who was beside him, specifically Yuki Tsunoda and uh, Esteban Ocon. I Alex think Albon. Alex Albon. What did Checo finish? Um, eight? 
eighth. Finished seventh or eighth, anyway. He did bring home points, but finished seventh or eighth. And then I did say, however, I did say a Ferrari would finish third, but I had uh, Charles Leclerc finishing third. So I went 0 for 3 on the podiums, and I missed on my bold prediction, which was there would be no safety cars. Whoops. It's Singapore, baby. There has been every single Well, that's why it was bold, because, you know, hey, I I thought we were going to have a clean race. We did not. Um, I feel more confident about my race predictions this week, which we will get into a little bit later. Uh, anything else? Oh, well, right. actually, I have one. I, I want to give one hat tip to another driver. Um, Sean's favorite American, and who so happens to be the only American on the grid. Logan Sargent, <laughs> speaking about yeeting cars into walls, Logan Sargent forgot to hit the brakes fast enough and uh, went nose first into a wall and broke his wing off. But his wing was hanging on by literally a thread, and he managed to somehow get the car all the way back to the pits. <laughs> while just dragging that along like it was a sidecar, just a, a fortunate passenger, and stayed in the race. I swear, we need to like do a Scooby-Doo style unmasking because I, I swear, Nicholas Latifi is driving that car right now. I swear. They are this they are either the same person or Nicholas Latifi has like impersonated Fort Lauderdale's own Logan Sargent. He's sure upholding his spirit. Lord. He won't be driving in F1 next year, will he? Um, I think when I think Yuki and Daniel would probably get the two Alpha Towers, I could see Liam Lawson being at Williams. I don't know how Logan Sargent gets that seat over everyone else. It all depends on what the Liam Lawson situation is going to be, um, what the Mick Schumacher situation is going to be. But also, you know, he is an American driver and that's pretty valuable right now, especially for a fledgling team like Williams. You know, how much. American money is he bringing into their team? How many, how much merchandise, how much fans, you know, that, you know, dollars and cents do matter in F1 as we know. So, you know what, if they left Nick Latifi in that car for what, three years, I feel like they can let Logan Sargent have a second year. <laughs> there was a different Will they? Williams. Probably they, not. They had no shot of competing. They're actually scoring points now. It's different. The expectation's a little bit higher. Can't accept if- that. It feels a lot more like a Fernando Lance Stroll situation where it's just so far in between the two drivers, whereas the other drivers simply don't have that much space in between the, the performance. I feel like, though, he is also a Williams Academy driver. You don't pour so much money, time, and resources into a driver just to go, okay, you're not it, by Or you maybe you do, but like, <laughs> I feel DeVries. like... <laughs> yeah, but that was more of like a fly. They took it, like, Red Bull took a flyer on Nick DeVries. They're like, all right, let's see what we got. We don't have anything. Okay, bye. With <laughs> Logan Sargent, it's a little bit different. Like they have, they they gave him a career. I don't know if they're going to take it away so easily. All right, let's transition now. Let's let's look forward. Let's preview Suzuka, one of my favorite tracks. We're going uh, to Japan. The uh, S curves of this place notoriously difficult to navigate. A uh, track that fits Red Bull style more than the last one did. Um, what are we looking forward to here? Uh, have we checked the forecast? Is there anything crazy when it comes to weather? Or are we going to get a pretty stock race here? And uh, I mean, last year it was raining cats and dogs when they raced here. So what are, we, what are we thinking here? There always seems to be rain about. There always seems to be some sort of craziness in Japan. Um, Red Bull can capture the constructor's title. I mean, it's a formality at this point, but they can capture the constructor's title if they literally score one more point than Mercedes. <laughs> so I think I think they got the constructor's title this weekend. Uh, oddly enough, though he has broken the record for most consecutive wins in a row in a single season, Max Verstappen cannot win 
the driver's championship this week uh unlike last year he won it if you remember kind of controversially in uh in japan because we didn't know if they were gonna get half points we didn't know if the full race was going to get run, um, but they decided to give him full points, and therefore he won the driver's championship. I mean, again, at that point, it was also a formality, but it was kind of just weird how it all transpired. So we're not going to get that kind of, uh, you know, weird weekend again. But this is always a good race. This is always a good track. And I think uh, you'll see, again, a lot of teams kind of like they were at Monza fighting for podiums. This is also a race that inspired some complaints from f1 drivers about the safety of driving in such heavy rain yeah to the point that where was F1, chaotic it was bad uh visibility was low and f1 even tried to test out some um i don't know what would you call them rain guards on the wheels and initial results from those tests not good <laughs> they're not close to figuring out how to stop the spray off the back of a car well last year they had that tractor situation which yeah. Funny enough how that doesn't make it into Drive to Survive or the missile that's launching the start of FP2 on the first race of the season. It's funny what makes it in and what doesn't. But yeah, last year was really chaotic. And Sean, like you're talking about how we didn't know if Max had won and the race was started so late and maybe it was half points, maybe not. And then do you remember Max just sitting on that huge chair? Yeah. <laughs> like in that room by himself. They're like, we think maybe he's won. And then I think it was johnny herbert that was interviewing him that had said yeah oh i i think you've won and it was just really anticlimactic yeah it was super it was, anticlimactic. It was all really wild i will say i was like a bottle and a half of champagne deep in vegas at that point so i i don't have <laughs> the best memory of that race because it was also like 1 a.m las vegas time so you know Oh, well, because I think the race started late, too, because it, it did, was raining yeah. so hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that offers us an interesting situation where you'll have a little bit of a live race action on. Is that going to be Saturday night? Saturday night. Yeah, oh. I think it's 11 oh. my time. Let me check. So I think it's one o'clock our time, Nick. I see one o'clock our time. Oh, yep. uh oh little late night hey we said we wanted to hang out and do a power hour together yeah, it might be a live pod power hour i don't know that is enticing uh that's one that you're going to want to stay up for because guess what red bull is not going to sweep the season anymore because of last week so there's hope there's reason to believe that it is worth watching and really it's been worth watching beyond p1 for most of the season and especially in the last month and a half so Tune in, because we will be as well. Let's get on to our podium predictions. Uh, Katie, you lead it off. P1, I I have Max, but there's a part of me that's hoping that that wasn't just track specific. It was just so strange. Like you talked about how, I think it was you, Sean, that it felt like they were driving on ice in the rear. They just, both of them couldn't get control of it. Like there's a part of me that's really hoping that something has gone wrong with the Red Bull cars. I don't believe that that's the case. And Max still had such a good drive, and it's so frustrating, <laughs> even right, when yeah. the car sucks. He still did make up so many places, but I do have Max P1, but I'm spiritually hoping that's just simply not the case. I hope he's out of the points. Um, P2, I have Charles Leclerc. I think it's been a lot of Carlos Carlos, and I think that Charles is going to step up. The Ferrari just looks really good. It I think does. it's his right. it's his moment to kind of step into it, break that narrative a bit. And then I'm going to say... Oscar Piastri. Oh, I, I know it's coming. Just signed a I know, new contract extension, yeah. I know the podium is coming. He had that weird pretend one in a sprint race that doesn't actually count, but that car is just getting better and better. And I think this is the race he finally has all of the upgrades that Lando has. 
So, man, Oscar's looking so good. He deserved that contract. I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy for McLaren and the direction they're going. And for you, Sean, as a McLaren fan. Thank you. But yeah, I have him his first podium. And then my bold prediction is that both AlphaTauri cars finish in the points. That is bold. Very bold. I thought you were going to actually, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I thought you were going to say both AlphaTauri cars finish. (laughs) That would be just as bold, it feels like. Oh, man. Okay. Those are my uh, feelings for the weekend. For P1, guys, um, screw it. Max's, this isn't in the dock. I'm calling an audible. Max's streak is over. I'm going to say it until it happens. P1, Lando Norris. He's getting his first win. It's going to be in Japan. Look, the hey, the high-speed corners at Suzuka really fit the McLaren's style of car. I say Lando Norris gets his first win because if Max is behind him, does he really go for the win? They're best buddies. I mean, call it what you want, but remember like back in 2021, Max may have let Daniel Ricciardo pass him at Monza and then just not chased him down, okay? He might do the same for Lando. So I'm going to say Lando and McLaren Get a win at Japan. P2 then, I'm swapping my original P1 and P2. I say Max gets P2. And then P3, Katie, I am also going for Oscar Piastri. He's got the new contract. Did you see he tweeted out, ah, another contract extension announcement with absolutely no drama, like winking face. And then I think Alpine <laughs> responded to it with that Homer Simpson meme of him going into the bushes. <laughs> at least they have fun about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got P1 Lando. I got uh, P2 Max, P3 Oscar Piastri getting his maiden podium. Um, and you might be asking, well, what about Ferrari? They've been looking so good lately. You're right. But remember, this is Ferrari. It's Ferrari. <laughs> this is this is the circus. These are the clowns that wear red. So something, I feel like something is going to go. Murphy's Law is going to take effect here for Ferrari this weekend in Japan. And I will say that a Ferrari will DNF because it's just time. I saw F1 Troll post a funny meme the other day with a video of a car speeding past all these other cars on the highway. And it was like F1 season in a nutshell. And it was the labeled the car that was speeding past everyone was red bull then it had like mercedes and it had mclaren as some of the cars that were getting passed and then there was a car coming in the opposite direction and it was labeled ferrari and i was like oh that's <laughs> that is that is very appropriate uh all right my predictions max verstappen p1 he's gonna get back to winning a race uh one was enough for him to not win i do think that sean despite the theory that you just offered um you know we talk about how lance stroll has a zero out of ten dog rating for not being able to race because of his wreck uh, earlier in the weekend. Max Verstappen's dog rating is damn near a 10. And I think that uh, after not winning a race, he'll probably be like, I need to get back to the top of the podium. So I think P1, no matter who's in front of him, he's going for the win. Uh, P2, Carlos Sainz, like I said earlier, driving his ass off and is not going to relent because he's got to really prove a point to Ferrari management that even though Charles, you know, Charles Leclerc is the favorite son, that he deserves attention too. He's been one of the best drivers in the grid in the second half of the season. And P3, it's just going to be three guys who are just a bunch of buddies all hanging out on the podium together because it's Lando Norris. Just guys Norris. being guys. Just guys yeah. being dudes, drivers being race car drivers. I don't know. Lando Norris, P3. Bold prediction for me, Mercedes once again only has one car finish. Who is it going to be? I don't know. Probably George Russell not going to finish, but... One of the two, not going to finish. That's my bold prediction. I'm all about cars not finishing races. That's where I stake my claim (laughs) in bold predictions this year. I like it. Sean, I think it's funny going back to your point about 
how, oh, he just let Daniel pass. Max wouldn't even let Checo win P2 in the driver's championship. Yeah. I told you. I told you how I feel about this. We've already discussed this. I'm not doing that. Dog rating, 100 out of 10. <laughs> Carnivorous dog. Or is that what it is? Carnivorous? They eat meat? Yeah. A carnivore? Know. Yeah, carnivorous. I don't know. I, it, when I said it, it came out weird. I don't He's know. a dog with a W. All right. Hate or love it. Last segment of the day. Katie, what's your hate? Um, I hate how early it gets dark out. It makes me sad. Oh, I hate yeah. this time of year. Everybody's oh. all like, oh, spooky season. How and early like, does it get dark out for you? This time of year, it changes so quickly. Like, it just feels like every day we're losing like 25 minutes of sunlight. Here, because we're kind of bordering the time zone line, so in the summer, it'll like start getting dark at around 10, 15, 10, 30. So we get a lot of sunlight here and it's really glorious. And now it just feels like it's fully pitch black at like 8.45 and it just makes me sad. Oh, I know wow, it's only yeah. getting darker and I'm just going to get sadder. I'm not a winter gal. I'm gonna like, say it it was, gets, I think it gets pitch black at like 7.45 down here in Tampa. Yeah, I was so. say, it was like uh, 8, 30, gotta, yeah. 8 o'clock maybe. Yeah. So. I just don't like how quickly it changes. Don't love winter. Don't love snow. <laughs> I live in a perfect spot in the world. Say, you're saying true north, strong and free, Katie. True north, strong and free. It just makes me sad. I just hate this time of year. But that, that's my hate. <laughs> this Good time hate. of year. Good hate. I hate that the winter's coming. Like, that's just the worst part. It's like, oh, yeah. God, it could be nice out for like six months. Ugh. Mm. All right, Sean. Um, I hate having car troubles. Um, my news car at Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's it's just been acting up ever since the hurricane, and I don't know if the hurricane had uh, something to do with it. But uh, today found out that my transmission is completely shot. Now, thankfully, again, this is my station car, so I don't have to pay for this or anything like that. But it means that I don't have like a sure fired like, you know car to to work with anymore and I, I i need a car every day to drive around you know shoot my stories go cover press conferences stuff like that and the car i had like i was the only one that had a key to it i was the only one that had access to it so now i'm gonna have to start you know begging borrowing stealing people's cars to to go out and shoot my stuff and that was that was a problem i used to have in my old stations where it's like well can i use your car today i'll have it back by no i hate doing that so car problems don't like those Boo. That's a good no, idea. those are never fun. Even when you don't have to pay for it, they're never fun. It's a, it's an inconvenience at the at the least, and uh, life disruptor at the worst. Uh, my hate is season-ending injuries because watching Nick Chubb's yeah. knee basically mm. explode on TV sucked. We already covered it, so I won't go deep in detail. But there was a pall over the city of Cleveland on Tuesday, and they're still kind of recovering from it. Signing Kareem Hunt helped them a little bit. Uh, a little bit of nostalgia always helps when you're in a down spot like that, but. Um, couldn't have happened to a better guy in a worse situation. So, sorry, Nick. I hope you recovered and get back to the field at a fairly rapid rate, but not too rapid where you might risk re-injuring again. Katie, what's your love? My love. So, this was a really historic week for women's hockey, and I'm really, really yes. excited about it. So, the newly established PWHL, they held their first draft this week. It was a historic moment in women's hockey history. Minnesota selected Taylor Heisey with number one overall pick. I've done quite a bit of work in women's hockey, like I did when I was doing live shows before. My favorite one that I ever did was um, with the CWHL for the Clarkson Cup, about four days before the whole league folded. 
So it was one of the most powerful spaces I've ever been a part of. We sold out right away. Everybody was in the room wanting to like, so we held panels and then um, some of the different hockey players would sit up there with us and we'd just kind of shoot the shit and interview and chat and really informal. It was so fun. But there was so much good energy in that room. And then the league folded just a few days later. And then I did some work with the PWHPA players through Galvanize. And that was really powerful. But there was the two competing leagues. And it just it didn't feel like any of it was constructive for the game as a whole moving forward. It, this is just such a game changer. These women are professionals. They deserve to be treated as such. This was such a wonderful draft and so many of my friends and colleagues were a part of covering it and it was just it was really special and really powerful and really really important and I'm just so excited for where women's sports in general are going but women's hockey in particular this was such a cool week yeah that's awesome definitely all right Sean what's your love um I am also going to appeal to our new Canadian audience uh NHL training camps start I was going to say tomorrow, but uh, they start today because it is now uh, Thursday morning. NHL training camps start in about eight hours, and I will be at one, so I better get some sleep. But uh, I do love hockey season. Um, it's one of my favorite sports, actually, to just kind of sit back and watch. Like, outside of football and college football, like, I really can just sit back and I can watch a weekday hockey game, whether it's on, you know, TNT, ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. Um, I just like how there's so much access to the NHL now because I do think hockey is just one of the world's greatest sports and I, and I love it plus i mean i feel good about my pens we got eric carlson sid's healthy gino Latang. i like it i'm excited let's go how old is sydney they do look good he's born he in 1987 he is not a kid anymore i'll tell you that he is definitely not sid the kid he is sid the you know older gentleman he would be 36 yes he mm-hmm. is 36 yeah. according 36. to google wow time yes. flies when you're having fun uh my love is a great weekend of college football i'm super nervous for ohio state notre dame i think ohio state's gonna lose and as an ohio state fan that will be very painful but i love when you have a saturday to look forward to you watch game day in the morning you watch the kickoff game the noon game oregon colorado go ducks uh shouts kumi ducks fan that's why we're on kumi's side here and uh ohio state notre dame the night game in south bend gonna watch it with a couple of friends who are notre dame fans and uh, hope that the Buckeyes don't fall flat on their faces uh, in the view of touchdown Jesus. But a good college football Saturday. There's nothing like it. Looking forward to this one this weekend. That's my love. And that is episode 15 of Gridiron Podcast. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. All of you who jumped into the chat and talked with us. Those of you who are going to get on your phone and leave us a five-star review and write something so we have something to read. And to Katie's friends, is that north? That's north. I still don't know Canadian geography, so I'm guessing that's somewhere north. I mean, everything Canadian is north of where I am and where Sean is, but friends up there. Closer to (laughs) Salem than we are. Great job. Shout out to the elves. (laughs) Spotted sleigh for us this December. We appreciate you including us up there uh we're looking forward to welcoming in more canadian fans and, and as we welcome them in them in every new canadian listener that we pick up a little bit more canadian geography knowledge enters my brain there's incentive that's great nick Make i'm so happy for you by listening to this podcast <laughs> for katie caldwell and sean barry i'm nick shook i cannot speak tonight and sean how do we send the show into the abyss 
Uh, we say for Nick Shook, for Katie Caldwell, I'm Sean Barry. This has been episode 15 of the Gridiron Podcast. Good night, Edmonton. And as always, live life in the fast lane. Thank you.